All right, we are doing um, Gem's theme today, Act, Love, Walk, from uh, Micah 6, verse 8. Love how you shortened it down to three words. Nice small verse, even smaller. And I love how at the last second there, you can easily read that last verse because you say it every week. That's awesome. Um, I recognize that um, on Gem Sunday, my job is to do a sermon that connects to you guys, so I'll be watching you. When most of you aren't listening to me anymore, I'll probably be done. That'll work. And in my world, it's my job to keep your attention. So when I lose your attention, that's on me. That's not on you. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying, you know, sermons aren't actually the thing that your age group generally listens to. Do you? Do you go home and listen to four or five sermons a week? No? Okay. There will be more questions. Be ready. And of course, we don't have kids ministry today. So never mind you guys, your little brothers and sisters are even here. So good luck to Eric. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> so we're going to start, I'm going to walk you through this passage because it, it, it sets up your, um, your, your theme verse. And it starts with pride proofing because this is a, this, there's three speakers in this little passage that we read. And the first one is God, and God is basically calling us to trial. So he's saying, all right, folks, uh, stand up. I'm going to hold you to account. Let's see how you do. And I call this pride-proofing because you probably already know chances are if God wants to hold you to the perfect standards that he has, it's going to be a bit challenging, right? And so God says, stand up, plead my case before the mountains, for the Lord has against, a cause against his people. And this is what he says. Well, this is what you might say. Do you ever say this to your parents? Why do I always have to do everything? Anyone ever said that to their parents? Right? They ask you to do the dishes. I always have to do everything, right? That's what God is suggesting that you might be saying. Because my people, what have I done to you? Have I burdened you? Answer me. God is going, is there some way that I've laid too much of a burden on you? Have I made this too difficult for you? Your parents might say something like this. Actually, I'll do it on the next slide. Your parents might have this parental tone. I brought you up out of Egypt... I redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, and also Aaron and, and Miriam. And your parents might use these words. So I brought you into this world. I feed you every day. I send you to school. I take care of you. I give you clothes. And doing dishes is too much to ask? Or helping out is just too much to ask? That's the kind of conversation God's having with his people here. He wants them to recognize there's just a few things he's already done for them in this world. And so he hopes that they would celebrate those things. Now... We all forget those things. We all forget all the wonderful things God has already done for us, and we get overwhelmed by some of the negative things that are going on maybe right now in our lives. And so a way of dealing with that on my next slide is to focus your selective memory. Now notice I say selective memory because I'm going with the assumption we all actually have selective memory, right? We tend to remember one kind of thing more than we remember another kind of thing. If you're tend towards negativity, you're going to remember what went wrong. If you tend towards glass half full kind of reality, you're going to remember what went right. And most of us have a mix of those things. Now, I heard you guys as you're reading this, you stumbled over these names. So of course you did. They're hard names. And I'm guessing not all of us even know who these people are. So he's saying, focus on these memories. And it's pretty hard to focus on a memory that you don't have. So I'm going to help you have this memory as well. My people, God says, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted when Balaam, son of Beor, answered. You're like, helpful. So Balak was the king of Moab, as it says there, and he hired Balaam, who was actually a prophet of God, to stand on a mountain, look over Israel, and pronounce a curse on them. And Balaam warned him. He said, I can actually only say 
what God gives me. I can't just make up stuff. I got to wait for God. And whatever God tells me, I will say. And he ended up blessing the people of Israel. All right. So God's saying, remember that when somebody tried to take you down, I actually wouldn't let them. I only allowed them to say words of blessing and promise. And then remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. I'm pretty sure this is one of those journeys where God was giving them the land. He was leading them. And as they went into the land, he went before them and everything seemed to open up so that it was put into their hands. Remember again, all the good things that I have already given you, God says. Okay, so that's God's case. This is what he says to us. And then it's our turn to express ourselves. And you're standing before God, think about that. You're standing in the presence of God, and he's just said, look, I've done all these amazing things for you. I've given you life and all the opportunities that you have, and you're going to do what Micah does here. Yeah, what should I come to with before the Lord? I'll just read it. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? He has this idea. Shall I come with burnt offerings and calves a year old? And you're going, that's probably not the first thing that came to your mind. What God is talking about here is their regular offering of worship. So it's sort of like saying, should I go to a church service on Sunday? Right? Is that what I should come before the Lord with? That seems like a good idea. Let's keep going, though. The folly of trying to pay God. There's something inside all of us that has this strange idea that because God invited us into his world and gave us life and gave us redemption and gave us Jesus and gave us community and all these things that we owe him one. And so we should do our best for the rest of our lives to try to pay him back. And that's a, a nice notion, except if you really think about it, there's not much chance you're going to manage to pay God back because he kind of has everything already. And he gave this to you as a gift. And when someone gives you a gift, what they really want you to do is enjoy it, not to try and pay them back. So how about this? What if we ramp it up? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Think about all of that oil and all of, those, all of those sheep, right? Maybe don't think about too hard of it because they're talking about sacrifice and it'd be a little bit bloody, right? But this is an immense gift. This is saying we are going to worship God better than anyone has ever worshiped God before and then we'll be even. Yeah, no, that's the whole point of this conversation. We can't pay God. We can't do enough. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Again, that's really um, churchy language. The idea there is this. Um, Abraham, when he had his son Isaac, that long-awaited promised son, was asked by God to offer him as a sacrifice. And it's actually a very confusing passage, and I believe Pastor Brady actually already has a sermon on it, so someday he's going to explain that to you because it's a hard one in my mind. But what we do know is it, it, it looks forward to, to God offering his firstborn son and God being able to offer his son because he also knew he could raise him from the dead. We just went through that, a good Friday and Easter. And we're asking here, God, should, should we mimic you? Should we be able to do this kind of sacrifice in the way that you do? We're going to get his answer. Here's the verdict. Now the judge is speaking. God has spoken. You've had your peace. The verdict is, he's shown you people what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Gems, you know the answer, right? You're going to say it all together. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Cool. Like six Sorry, I almost got in there. <laughs> nice. Um, what's the motion for 
Act. You guys did it so fast, I missed it. Act. Put your hands up like that. That's love. And walk. Got it. Thank you. You all got that too, right? Okay. So here's three things. You know it's act, um, love, and walk. We're going to go through them. First, to act justly. And I want to suggest to you that this is to do what is 90% of the time obvious. Now, I'm going to need some help here. Which of you are in Karen Christian School, Stony Creek, Mr. Medima's class? Put up your hand. Come on forward. <laughs> Which one of you were in his class last year? Come on forward. Have a seat right here. I'll let you sit in the row. Do you know why I'm asking you in particular to come forward? Anyone? I use the name Mr. Miedema. That's the common denominator. What happened about a week and a half ago? I was in your class. Anyone? Pastor's Day. And what did you do to me? You gave me a test. Yeah. A surprise test. Isn't that handy? Now I'm giving the test. Isn't this going to be fun? <laughs> and if you're going to be in Mr. Miedema's next class, this is where you tell him, don't do that anymore. Pastors don't like it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Good news for you, though. Don't worry about this, because the passage, of course, is Micah 6, verse 8, which you know, which ends, walk humbly before your God, which basically means I'm not allowed to be mean with you. I've got to be really nice, and I will. So, I'm saying that 90% of the time, it's obvious what the right thing is to do, right? So, if I'm lying on the ground hurt, do you come help me if you can, or do you just walk on by? Yeah? Cool, good one. All right. How about if um, someone's crying? Do you go over and comfort them and ask them what's wrong, or do you just walk away? All right, and what if someone's really sad? Do you try and help them out and play with them and work around with them, or do you just hope somebody else does that? Yeah. Is there any time when it's okay and you're right to be mean to somebody? No. Cool. Pretty good, eh? Tell Mr. Mina these are the good kinds of questions to ask pastors. We know these answers, too. <laughs> All right. You get the point, right, that usually... What we're supposed to do is actually obvious. Loving is always a good idea. The whole New Testament keeps sprinkling that in there, right? There's no law against love. It's never wrong to love. It's never long to, wrong to be kind. It's never wrong to be gentle. Now, there are challenging times. There's a few. There's that 10%. We're not going to do all those today. But there are times where it's hard to know, what's the best thing for me to do here? But most of the time, it's straightforward. So the problem isn't knowing what's the right thing to do. You nailed it every single time. The challenge is actually doing that and entering in and making sure that we trust enough to step out and do that. That's why I think the second line comes in, to love mercy. So this is when justice gets missed. So maybe it's not you. Maybe somebody else just walked on by and left somebody crying, and they're really hurt, and they're in a lot of pain, right? When justice get, gets missed, then it's our job to love mercy. And we need to have mercy both on the person who walked on by because there's probably something going on for them. We need to understand these poor people are so hurting in their own life that they couldn't help somebody else. And we need to love mercy for them. And of course, the person who's hurting, we continue to say, I'm going to have mercy on that person. You see, we are not just about what are we going to do for the people that we run into in our lives, in our family, in our relatives, in our community. 
we're also wondering how do we help more and more and more people all the time find a way to be cared for, loved, and receive mercy. And then, the last one. When you figure out how hard this can be, so you're supposed to act justly. Most of the time, it's obvious what to do. Love mercy, that's for when justice has been missed in the first place. And when you start to figure out that, that can be really hard. There's a lot of times where I know I'm supposed to go over there and help that person, but boy, I'm feeling busy today and I got something else to do, so I walk on by, right? And when I realize, you know what, there's 500 people in this community. And every once in a while, I, as, as the pastor, have to say, well, who do I go to today? Because I can't be at everyone's house every day. I can't be at every circumstance. And none of us can do that. So when we start to realize this job of caring for each other, it's easy, right? If it's just you and me and you're hurting, then I'm going to talk to you. That's simple. But wait a minute, what if all the gems at the same time are in a hard spot? Do I have to talk to all of them? And do I do that all at the same time? Or do some need individual care? How do we do that, right? We recognize it can be pretty hard. And that's why we walk humbly with our God. We go, God, I can't do all this. I certainly can't do it all by myself. I need your help. I need your presence. I need your love in my life. I need you to forgive me when I don't do things the way I'm supposed to. And I need you to challenge me to be a forgiving person as I move forward as well. You know the words, act, love, and walk. You also know the action, so show them to me once, once again. Act, love, walk. Keep doing it. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for our gems. Thank you for their passage today. Thank you for your call in our lives. Thank you that you are always just, that you always have mercy, and that you call us to walk with you in those ways. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that we may humbly walk with you, that we may pay attention to the ways that you call us, that we may be realistic about our own limitations, but also honest about our own failings. May we find grace from you and love from you, and may we continue to find community in your name. This we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.